Hey, yeah, you, that awesome human that's listening to this podcast right now, I'm breaking in for just a moment to let you know that I know you love your fantasy football leagues. I know you do, and I know you want to get something special for the league, whether that be a draft board, a ring, a belt, a championship trophy. There's so many awesome things that you can get for your league, and if you check out Trophy Smack, that's where you need to go to get all that rad stuff. Only place you need to check out. You can go over there right now using the affiliate link in the description, and you can use code GETREALPOD for a free ring with the purchase of a trophy or belt. Note, you must have both the trophy or belt plus the ring in your cart for the discount to apply. All right, now you can get back to listening to this episode. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Get Real with Casey Kasem. It's the podcast taking a look behind the scenes of the fantasy sports industry. On this episode, I sat down with fellow DAP Network podcaster Andrew Hall. You may have heard Andrew co-hosting the Dynasty Junkies podcast or seen his writing over at Fantasy Pros. Our conversation had so many interesting topics come up, including his thoughts on Joe Montana and Ocho Cinco, our adventures at the Fantasy Football Expo, joining a fantasy football league for the first time, finding you a trade, important advice he's learned over the years, and a ton more. Please make sure that you're following Andrew on Twitter at AndrewHallFF. You can check out Dynasty Junkies on the Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network, home to the junkies as well as Get Real with Casey Kasem. Plus, there's other dope shows over there as well. Make sure to give me a follow on Twitter at Kasem and let me know that you're listening to the show. You can also follow the podcast at GetReal underscore pod. This episode of Get Real with Casey Kasem is sponsored by my rad patrons on Patreon. You can become a patron of the show at patreon.com slash Casey Kasem. 2023 is going to be huge for Get Real, including a revamped Patreon. Also, a big thank you to the listeners who make this show possible. Okay, and here's Andrew Hall on Get Real with Casey Kasem. Super freaking slow. So here we are. (laughs) All right, another episode. I am... I love sitting down and talking to people, especially people that I've met in person. Like, that's always super cool to get to know their backstories because, of course. Uh, So today, Andrew is here, Andrew Hall. And Andrew, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is a great time. I'm ready to have a, a nice, chill evening with you, Casey. It's always a good time hearing you. Oh, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's going to be super chill because it's been a day at work and now we're you know, relax and talking about the good stuff, talking about Andrew. So if you're here listening right now, you're here for Andrew and all his wacky stories, because I know you got plenty, but we're going to start with the question I ask everyone is, how did you stumble across fantasy football in the first place? Oh, man. So fantasy football. Well, I mean, I'm, I know you've been playing for a while. I know a lot of people that, that are in this sport or in this sport, in this industry or, you know, in this hobby, have been playing it for a while. I think my first league was 2002. Somewhere in there, and uh, a friend of mine uh, who I knew from you know college, living in the dorms and everything, she was starting a fantasy football league, and one of the people that was in the league dropped out, and so she posted on Facebook and said, "Hey, I needed somebody else for my league. Our draft starts tonight at eight o'clock. Uh, let me know if you can join." And I just commented, and I think I said something like, "What is fantasy football?" <laughs> and I was like, "What? What is that? That sounds. I like football. Sure, I'll, I'll do that." And so I, I did, it was on Yahoo and I did that thing where like I auto drafted, but I watched it auto draft, you know what I mean? Cause I didn't know how <laughs> yeah. to do anything. I was like, I've never done this. So I was like, I'm auto draft and I'm just like, who did I get? Ooh, cool. I like that guy. So like, I had no clue what I was doing that first year. I don't remember what my record was. I'm sure it wasn't great. I, I can probably look it up, but I, I don't want to remember those days, but yeah, it was one of those like, Oh, this is kind of a neat thing. And then that whole first year was just, I don't know, kind of figuring out the lay of the land and 
I only knew a couple of people in the league. There weren't really that many trades that I remember, but lots of waiver action. I did not win. I did not do well, but it was still a good time. And that's really what got me into this is that I kind of like numbers. I kind of like math. Like I like computers. So back then again, like in 2002, you know, like it's kind of a big deal to have your live scoring on Yahoo. You know, like that was kind of the whole rage. It was like, oh, they can tell you the scores in real time. Like, oh, this is cool. So yeah, that was kind of where I started. <laughs> well, that's cool because coming into that time when things were available on app all of a sudden, that's like a great time to <laughs> really get into it. Do, and I know you said you auto-drafted, but do you remember... I said auto-drafted really weird just now. Anyway, you said auto that you auto-drafted. Do you remember any of the players that you ended up with on your squad? I want to say, I think I had LaDainian Tomlinson one of those first years. I remember thinking he was really good. And I think I had like Dante Culpepper. I know it was like the second year, like the year after that, I got, because um, I wanted to play again, because I had such a good time. Right. Um, I got into my, like the restaurant that I worked at was a, uh, was the boathouse here in Cincinnati and I'm still in that league. And so we've been playing that since Oh three. So, or I've been in it at least, I think since Oh three Oh four, somewhere in there. And I remember in that league, I wasn't, I was, I'd signed up and wasn't able to make the draft and it was a live draft. It wasn't on computer. It was with the sticker board. Like you got behind you there. And uh, I gave my, the commissioner of that league, my like, here's who I should, here's who I want you to take for me in each round. And so like first round uh, quarterback, and then here's like my list of quarterbacks, you know what I mean? And, like whatever the best quarterback available was. And so I was like quarterback, receiver, running back, tight end, kicker. You know, like I was making sure I got them all. Worst draft ever, right? <laughs> but in that draft, I remember I got Dante Culpepper, I think, with my first pick. And everybody, it was a one QB redraft league. You know, I was like, why did you take Dante Culpepper? And the commissioner is like, this is his list. I don't know. This is what he wanted me to take. <laughs> so like some of those first years were just because I wasn't able to draft. It was kind of brutal. And then I realized, well, drafting is kind of the whole thing. Like, you know, if you miss the draft, like that's part your team is kind of screwed up and yeah, it's, that's the most fun. So after that, I realized I'm never doing that again. And I don't think I've missed a draft since. And it's really interesting to hear you say one quarterback and redraft as, I mean, as a guy who, when I associate you with fantasy football, it's dynasty, it's, you know, college player, it's, you know, it's not yeah. redraft. So that's really cool to, to hear the, the backstory. So were you a fan? You said you were a fan of football. Did you have a team growing up? Were you into sports when you were younger? Yeah, so I was a child of the 80s, and uh, I lived in Columbus, Ohio, and so the Buckeyes were kind of a big thing. I know Jeff Bell was on. He's a Buckeye fan. Uh, so Buckeyes were a thing. Both of my parents went to Columbus or went to, went to Ohio State, so like I was you know, big in Columbus. We went to a lot of Buckeye games, and there really isn't like a pro team in Columbus other than the Buckeyes at the time. So I was sort of you know teamless for a while and kind of latched on to the 49ers because I remember my mom went to a work trip to San Francisco and brought me back like a, a San Francisco 49ers jacket, which was like you know, as an eight-year-old, it was like the coolest thing ever, you know what I mean? And so I became a 49ers fan, became a Joe Montana fan, and just sort of rode that Joe Montana high until he left the league. And then I was kind of like looking for a new team. He went to the Chiefs. I was a Chiefs fan while he was there. But then once he left the league, I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. And so I became a Bengals fan because they were nearby and ended up going to UC for school. And so became a Bengals fan in probably 96 or so. I was one of my, like 96, 97, somewhere there is when I first started following, really barely following the Bengals, you know, like, eh, kind of. But then when I moved to, to Cincinnati in 2000, that's when I really got, kind of kicked it into gear. And I've been a Bengals fan ever since. And I moved a couple different times in a couple different cities, but stayed a Bengals fan no matter where it went, which is kind of fun. But yeah, I was a Niners fan as a kid, which again, Joe Montana, you can't go much worse I mean, than yeah. that. Like Super Bowls all the time. It was awesome. Well, that's a good good reason to play fantasy football too, is if you like a player, you don't have to like the team to like the player. So 
that always works out. And I see the Ocho Cinco jersey behind you. So do you have a favorite Bengals player of all time? Excuse me, Bengals player of all time? It's got to be Ocho. Got to be Ocho. Yeah, I, I, I've always loved Chad Johnson. I always thought his swagger was something different. The way he did the you know celebrations in the end zone before, that was cool. And like getting all this attention. And I remember, again, just working at the boathouse, he used to come in there. He only really eats McDonald's. I mean, the guy is legit who he is. He doesn't drink. He smokes cigars. He's got his own cigar brand, which I'm a big fan of, uh, 85 cigars, which is awesome. Um, so again, I highly recommend the guy. And so I, I've just been a fan of his pretty much since he entered the league. And I was really bummed when he left the team and everything. And, you know, he had some other teams he played on and I was you know, kind of following him from afar. But yeah, Ocho's, Ocho's my boy for sure. That's great. That's, I love it. And yeah, I, that's not the first player I think of, but like, that's the first player that I think of from that team that, has that personality and how you know i would totally gravitate towards that if i was a fan of the Bengals. i'm a fan yeah. of Ocho Cinco. um so did you watch any other sports when you were growing up besides football yeah so i played soccer and baseball as a kid um and i loved watching soccer i remember watching some like you know world cup matches and you know u.s men's national team i remember going to some like i remember even going to some like ohio state uh soccer games and they were doing well i remember my High school team did well at soccer. So I always watched soccer growing up. Uh, we watched football a lot too. My Again, my parents both going to Ohio State, you know, big time football fans of their own, just college instead of pro. Uh, and I remember there, there was one year, one or two years, I don't remember exactly, where the Ohio Glory was a thing in the World League. And my dad got a season tickets to that because they were practically giving those tickets away. Just please, somebody come watch. Um, but I remember going to those games and getting like, you know, the, the souvenir cups and like the programs and all that like. So I would watch all sorts of different sports, but NFL, I really didn't get into like NFL action until probably the mid nineties. And, and even then it was probably, I mean, other than like Joe, you know, like obviously Joe Montana and all that, but like going to a game, I don't think I went to my first NFL game until 94, 95, something like that. And, and even then it was just one of the many games I went to one of the many different sports I watched. It wasn't like my favorite thing. Like it is now, like this is pretty much the only thing I'm in. Like you mentioned before, I'm, I'm deep into dynasty and, and Debbie and like college players and rookie drafts. Like, it kind of absorbs all of my attention now, but back in the day, I was uh, multiple all over the place. Was there a sports moment maybe that you saw live or something that you can remember even watching on TV when you were younger that really sticks out to you? Well, there was, there was one memory and it's blurry, but at the same time, it's very clear. And I was probably like 10 or 11. It would have been like 90, 91, 92, somewhere in there where uh, Joe Montana and the 49ers lost in the, the playoffs, I believe, to your Cowboys. And it was something like it just crushed me. You know what I mean? Like I was a, t a 12 year old. I thought for sure they were going to win. And so I remember my mom being like, all right, well, let's go get ice cream and make it, you know, like, let's make your day. Okay. It was like, you know, seven o'clock on a Saturday or a Sunday. I'm sorry. And so like, she's like, let's go get some ice cream. So I remember going out to the car and like, I ended up tripping over a ladder, getting in the car and like busted my knee wide open. I still have a scar from it. And so I, I always say to people, like I was physically and emotionally scarred that day. And uh, I just remember thinking like that, that changed my life. Cause that was where my, I guess that was kind of where my love for football or NFL, I guess, like really kicked into gear. And I realized I really do care about some things, but again, like the nineties were kind of all like that, but there were so many different sports, but that one just, I, for whatever reason, that one, that game really hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they always, those, oh, those, those so bad many good matchups. <laughs> oh. Yeah. You know, it's just, uh, I, I feel you. Cause you know, I can remember good memories from the Cowboys when I was younger and then it has been a whole lot of, uh, so yeah, I guess this year I have something to be happy about, but so growing up and your parents being so involved with watching 
college football and, and being involved, you know, immersed in that. Do you think that that's helped you out with playing in dynasty leagues, especially like when you first started? So, yeah. And, I, and when I went to UC, Cincinnati was at the time anyway, more of a basketball school. And I really, you know, followed March Madness and did all that a lot more than I did a lot of the football growing up. You know, that was always kind of something fun for kids to do. You know, you're gambling, but not really. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I remember when I went to UC, I went to football games at UC, but you could just you just show your student ID and go in. There were no tickets. Like it wasn't, you know, there wasn't a demand for the University <laughs> of Cincinnati Bearcat football team. It just wasn't a big deal. And I remember as I started watching some of those games, it was reminding me of going to Buckeyes games as a kid. And I was like, you know, these players are going to be something maybe someday. And I remember thinking that was kind of the fun part for me. Uh, but again, just just the sport of it. You know what I mean? Like I didn't really care who was playing it. Just watching sports was always kind of fun to me. Um, but yeah, I do remember that as a kid, especially with, you know, both parents being Buckeye fans, it was kind of like a requirement that you had to watch the Buckeye games every Saturday. Like that was our appointment TV every Saturday I had to watch the Buckeyes and especially the Michigan game, you know, had to had to watch that game every year with John Cooper and, you know, the coach of the Buckeyes and, and making sure that we always ske scheduled everything around that. I remember there was one year we scheduled our uh, we had a vacation, I think, planned and we moved it up a week because of the Michigan game. I remember thinking that was pretty weird, but looking back, it's not weird. Like that makes total sense. Like you don't want to be in Florida while the, the Buckeyes are playing Michigan. You got to be at home when you're seat watching your team. So, but yeah, I do think some of that translated. And again, the deeper I got into fantasy and the more I really started paying attention, even in redraft as rookies come in and you kind of have to see who the new guys are and what the teams are going to do and who's going to draft what. So as I got deeper and deeper, I started to watch college more, which was great. And actually enjoyed, I still enjoy watching college, but I've really slowed down during the season on watching college football, just because there's almost too much. Like my brain just gets to be like, I'm watching so much football on Sundays and Mondays and Thursdays. And then Fridays, I usually rewatch a lot of the games from the last week to prepare for this week. And like, so there's just a whole bunch of football. So Saturday is kind of my one day now where I'm like, I just need some time off. Let's just relax. Let's let the brain reset before I get into Sunday mode. And then come January is when I start crunching film again, because, you know, I got to start you know, re researching again and who's doing what and listening to smart people who are smarter than me. That's always my goal. I don't know anything. I just listen to others that know stuff and then absorb it. That's pretty much my game. Hey, that's the best way to do it is to absorb as much information as you can and then use that to help yourself out. I, I like right. that. And so you brought up being going to college and I just wanted to know what were what did you go to college for and what were your goals going into college? Sure. Yeah. So I went to the University of Cincinnati because I got a good uh, scholarship there. And obviously money always talks and, you know, it's always helpful to have, a, you know, close to home. I was born in Columbus. Cincinnati's only two hours away. So I was like close enough that I can go home on the weekend if I need to or, you know, still get a home cooked meal once in a while, but not close enough that my parents are going to just drop in unexpectedly. You know, they're going to have to give me some heads up. And I felt like two hours would be enough to like get my stuff together and be like, OK, whew, they're coming. Um, but no, so I went to Cincinnati for engineering to start with, uh, they are great engineering. We're still a great engineering program. Uh, I did some co-oping in my second year of college where I, you know, kind of had a real job. And it was during that second year in 2001 that the, you know, 9-11 happened and everything and the whole you know, engineering in general and like the whole market economy and everything was kind of all over the place. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do this computer job forever. Like, I just think that's going to be too boring for me. I, I like talking to people, I like having conversations. And I was like, and I don't know if I want to do this. So I ended up switching majors in 2002, late 2002, I think is when I switched to education. And I got a middle childhood degree uh, with a focus in math and social studies, graduated in 05. So I've got a bachelor's in education that I'm not using. I am not a teacher. 
but I fully respect teaching. I, I love that profession, but it just, I choose people up and spits them out. And I was like, yeah, I, I don't know if that's for me, but I got my degree in it, which was great. My parents very happy that I at least finished college. So, you know, it wasn't hey. what I went in for, but <laughs> Uh, better nothing. Well, you know, uh, child learning and development here, and I'm not using it either. So there you yeah. go. <laughs> okay, yeah, I always so say it comes in handy, but it's not like I'm not teaching, but I like right. having that background to be able to like, I, I do understand how people learn. And I right. understand how, how I learn a lot. And it kind of opened my eyes to how I like to absorb information. So now as someone who tries to give information out, I do feel like that comes in handy a little bit. Definitely. And I didn't even think of that. But now I'm like, okay, yeah, now there's a reason. Okay. <laughs> so Playing fantasy football, you started off in the redraft world, and then you moved into what was the next form of fantasy football that you started playing after you played redraft? Well, so that first league at the restaurant, it was a redraft league, but it was a keeper league. And so, yeah. we, you know, that kind of counts, right? Like that's sort yeah. of the, the one keeper. And I remember from the beginning of that, we had, uh, I think it was, you had to, the player had to be drafted to be kept because there was, you know, always in redraft or keeper leagues, there's always somebody on the waivers that you pick up. And then the question was like, well, what pick do we take away? You know, like, what is your keeper pick for that? Is it the last pick? Is it where he should be in the draft? Like, so we always just we made the rule early on, if I recall, it was just has to be somebody drafted that you can't keep anyone off waivers, which made it fair because then it made it also where like you don't want to drop someone you drafted because then it's like I'm, that might be a keeper. They might come right. back later. So it made it made the whole kind of game a little different. But that was really my first foray into, you know, dipping my toes into the, the, the <laughs> dynasty world, I guess. But even then for the first, God, I feel like 10 years, I just would donate money to this league. I felt like, you know, like my first year I did terrible or I said, I missed the draft. The next year I went back and won it. So I went worst to first, which is pretty cool. And then I ended up kind of coasting on that for the next five years and not doing well, uh, you know, like <laughs> four, nine, you know, five and eight, whatever, like just right in the middle or just missing the playoffs every year, not making any money. But it was fun. It was good to talk to the guys. And at that point, some of us started drifting apart and weren't working together. And, you know, so for like the first 10 years or so that I was in that league, I won one and then just sort of, I don't know, stopped caring as much, didn't really give it a full attention, got into real world and just didn't try. And then I don't know what happened, but like somewhere around, I think it was 2016, 2017, somewhere in there. I think I remember thinking it was like the Odell Beckham Jr. rookie year when like he was a rookie. Everybody, I remember started hearing about like, you can keep him forever. Like with Dynasty, if you play this format, you never have to start over. You can just keep him. You can have Odell Beckham for 12 years, 15 years. And I was like, well, that'd be kind of cool. Like, oh, okay. So I remember hearing about the format, but I always thought it was like super hardcore and like really hard to do and like really just like, no, nope, that's too intense for me. That's too intense for me. And so I just kept kind of playing in my redraft keeper leagues. And then in 2018, I finally started in uh, our first, my first Dynasty League with some buddies of mine from Chicago. And I remember thinking like, we're going to keep this low key. It's going to be real easy. But as soon as I started in dynasty, it's just like a drug you can't get rid of, man. And I just started joining more and more leagues. I started paying way more attention. And I tell this to people all the time, like dynasty, I will say this till the, I am dead. Like dynasty helped me win so much more in redraft. Like I got so much better at fantasy football by playing dynasty it's crazy. So and uh, those people that are in that league with me, and I know some of them follow me on Twitter and stuff. It's like, <laughs> they've seen my, my journey where I was like terrible and had no clue what I was doing. And now they're like, I can't believe they let you write for fantasy pros. I'm like, well, me neither, but also <laughs> I'm not that same person. You know, like I'm not that same idiot in 2003 who didn't know what I was doing. Like I actually pay attention now and dynasty has helped with that. And for people who want to jump into dynasty, but they're scared to, they're, 
not sure that it, like you said, you know, it could be, it could be a little extreme. You know, I, when I started playing, I joined the league with a bunch of people who had never played dynasty yeah. before. And that kind of helped bridge the gap there between dynasty and redraft. What kind of advice would you give though to those people that want to jump in, but they're just kind of nervous? Well, I, I think the, the story that I tell people too, and I've told this to other people in, in the, you know, off, off podcast, you know, like in real world stuff where it's like, I, I got into dynasty because I like the idea of being able to trade in March and being able to trade in June and like have the same players that are always on my team. And I could make moves all year long because I love trading. And that was where I started kind of, I wouldn't say having an advantage, but I really got hooked on that. And like, and that was really where the drug kicked in. And so I always tell people, if you're doing a lot of trading in your dynasty league, if you're doing a lot of, if you're the one that's the most active, you're going to love dynasty because it's, it's a lot more fun to be active in a dynasty league. Uh, in redraft or keeper or what have you, it it goes really dormant for eight months, right? And if you're really paying attention for the four months that the league is going on, imagine having, you know, twice that, you know, three times that total time. Like you're you're all year. You're looking at stuff, you're researching, you're sending offers, you're receiving offers. Like you don't have to stop. And so, you know, it's kind of like every time I would stop at the end of the season, I feel like I would just let it go and I'd have to start all the way over again in August. It was brutal trying to get back up to speed. If you're always up to speed, it's a piece of cake. So I say to people, like, don't worry about it being hard. It's actually not any harder. I tell people, too, it's easier. I think Dynasty is way easier because the waivers are way less important. You know, like there's very, very, very few times in a Dynasty League where you pick somebody up and start them. In Redraft and Keeper, I'm doing that every week. You know what I mean? Like, depending on injuries, I'm picking up Isaiah Pacheco in week three or Deion Jackson in week five. You know, like these players that just come out of nowhere, you got to throw them right in. In Dynasty, most of those guys are already on rosters. so you don't have to worry about it, you know? And <laughs> I always felt like too, if you miss a waiver week, week in dynasty, okay. You know what I mean? Like what, yeah. what you're missing out on? Well, I guess like this week you might have like Brock Purdy or something, right? Like you might have these random QBs that come out of nowhere, but yeah. for the most part, there really isn't much left on waivers. And that makes things so much easier because then it's just your team, your roster, put it together and, and go on every Sunday. And I just, again, it's not as intimidating as it sounds. Maybe that's the best way to put it. It's not, but one of the biggest things that I was worried about was trading and you brought trading up. So for a newbie to playing dynasty, what kind of advice do you have when it comes to going into trades? Well, I mean, there's a, there's so many different calculators out there, but I feel like that's probably where I started. And I think that's where I, I learned the most. I'm not saying they're the the best or that they're ideal or that you have to do that. But I feel like if you're if you're really unsure about how to value players and you're I was really gun shy about losing a trade. You know, I got onto fantasy Twitter back in 2017, 2018, somewhere in there, right before my dynasty league started. And I remember seeing trade polls go up and you'd see a guy like, well, which side, you know, and you'd have people in the comments are like, oh, man, you stole OBJ on that trade. And like, I just felt like, man, I really hope that that other guy isn't, isn't watching. You know what I mean? Like, I hope that the other guy in that league isn't paying attention because he's going to feel really bad about this. Right. And so I kind of got into this mindset, like, well, I don't want to lose a trade, which I think does a disservice now. But at the beginning, that was kind of where I was. So I would lean a lot on calculators and say, it ha the calculator has to make it make sense. Like, I'm taking myself out of the equation, right? Um, I've very much loosened up on that since then. I still use them because I feel like there is a lot of value they can give you, mm -hmm. especially in certain leagues and formats and whatever. But I don't lean on them nearly as much as I used to. It was like, I remember putting it in, there was like a what was it? Dynasty 101, I think, .com had like a free trade calculator. I don't know how accurate it was. I don't know how good it was, but it would put numbers to players. And in my brain, I was like, this makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh, I didn't think he was worth that much. I should try to get more. 
And that to me is really where the, the trade calculator helped is because I would value players equally. And the calculator would say like, you can probably get more or like your player is worth more. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So that I think helped me learn and understand values. So I will say to people, if you're new, I do recommend them. I think it's a good way to kind of understand a market because the market is important when you're doing trading and you obviously want to win and you know get the best player and all this, but the other guy has to win too, or they're not going to accept the trade. So you kind of have to find something fair. And I think calculators help a lot with that when you're new. And another thing that helps a lot is finding content creators who are putting out this awesome. Oh yeah. And you're one of them. That's what I, that's kind of the segue I was trying to make here, but then, you know, so how did you start putting out content? How did you even find out that you could put out fantasy football content like this? I still am shocked to this day that I get to create content that people read. It's just like, I do a lot of this research for myself and I'm like, Oh, you want to listen to? Okay. Um, well, I remember when I first started like paying attention more, I really, uh, I was a big fan of tags on fantasy pros and that was probably my first podcast that I listened to. And it was like, I, I was listening to like comedy podcasts and like, uh, what was the, the Dax Shepard podcast, like armchair, whatever. Yes. Armchair expert. Like I remember listening to those podcasts a lot and like books on tape and stuff like that. But then I would just throw in like the fantasy pros podcast and the ESPN fantasy podcast with Matthew Berry, like, and just kind of into my rotation. And I just love the way tags approach the game where I was like, he talks like me. He talks like a regular person. He's not like talking down to anyone. He's like, making all the the information accessible. Like I remember reading his primers on Sunday mornings, like when I was wondering what to start and like who to play. And like, I remember tagging him like in every single post when I was, you know, first getting, getting started and everything. And I just really respected the hell out of that guy. And I remember thinking like, and this is going to sound maybe a little cheesy, but like, I felt like if he could do it, I could do it. Like he really just put in the effort. And I'm like, it literally is just effort and heart. That's all you need. You don't need to have a degree in analytics. You don't need to be able to, you know, code software. You don't need to be like a journalism degree from, you know, Vassar or something. You know, you don't need any of this stuff. You just need to have the passion. And I just, I felt like he really had the passion. And so I think it was around then that I, again, I was big on, on Twitter and everything and kind of getting involved with the community more. And I think it was 2018 when I really started catching on to like the Scott Fishbowl stuff and like seeing like, okay, this is probably where I need to go. Like there's, you know, there's a lot of people joining up in here. And I think it was in 2019 was my first Scott Fishbowl, which would have been SFB nine. Um, I remember getting into that as like a fan, which was, you know, blessing because I was following Scott Fish and like retweeting everything, doing everything I could, every, you know, joining every podcast giveaway and all that stuff in July. And I remember there was somebody who reached out to me uh, who I don't remember the site now, but they reached out to me. And they're like, hey, do you create any content anywhere? And it hadn't even crossed my mind to create content. And I was just like, no, should I like kind of jokingly like and he goes, well, yeah, I mean, you you post some good stuff on Twitter, like you actually have some good opinions. And I literally I don't I think I said something like, yeah, that'll never happen. Like, no, nah, that's that's I'm not that's not me. I'm not doing that. And then uh, Dave Heilman, the dynasty dorks, he reached out to me and was like, hey, would you want to write for our site? We're hiring some writers. And I was like, this is perfect. It's a site that like dorks. That's me. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, and Dave was a cool dude. I remember interacting with him a lot on Twitter. I was like, Dave knows what he's doing. I think I can do this. So I joined up with them. At, and then I think it was a week later, I hadn't even written anything. Like a week later, they got kind of absorbed by Pro Football Network. So then Pro Football Network kind of hires me on in 2019. And I remember it was like right after, like in July, I remember I was on vacation when I got into Scott Fishbowl and 
And then it was like a week or two after that, I got like my first assignments of what I was going to write. And I was just like, they, they thought I knew what I was doing because <laughs> they thought me, they brought me in from a site. Right. And I was like, I've never even written anything yet. And so it was kind of like pure luck. And then I remember my first, uh, my first articles were put through and the editor was like, these aren't bad. Here's what I would change. And I, I really, I absorbed all that feedback where I was like, please tell me like, <laughs> like I, I don't, I read the, I read the primer. Like I said, all the time, I read a ton of articles. So I felt like I understood the, the voice. But I was like, I don't know, you know, the, the ins and outs. So the guys at Pro Football Network were very kind and brought me on. And, and I was able to get in with them in 2019. And it just sort of kept going. And I just never stopped, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you're here. So, yeah, yeah you never stop Still going now. So, yeah. So when you decided, hey, I'm going to put out content uh, when you got on and you had never written before, had you written anything before? Have you? Dabbled I had done in some any like kind Twitter threads. Yeah, I had done like Twitter threads before. And I remember I wrote, um, I used to have like a, a music blog or something back in college. You know, like I had one of those, like, you know, everybody had like those live journals or whatever, yep. like that, that <laughs> eight people read, you know, so I was familiar with kind of writing in general. And I'd always, I mean, again, I was an education major and, and, and didn't really enjoy English and all of that stuff. But I remember writing and, and talking and things. I'm obviously a talker, um, but I like community and I like expressing, you know, ideas and thoughts and trying to get people in and have discussions and debates and all that. So Twitter was perfect for me. Right. And I know mm -hmm. like you've been on Twitter even longer than I have on the fantasy side. Anyway, there, there used to be at least a lot of really good, healthy debates where you could get into a discussion with someone and go back and forth for what felt like days, mm -hmm. you know, and say, here's what I think. Here's what I think. Here's what this guy's going to do. And it, it was awesome. Yeah. I feel like it's changed a little bit lately where there's just so much content now that people are like, no, nah, I'll save it for my article. I, I get it, but it's also yeah. like, you know, that was more fun for us, but, um, <laughs> but no, I, I didn't really write much sports wise really at all. And I think my first series, which just cracks me up, my first series of articles for PFN, which I'm pretty sure is still on their site was a vacated target series. Like the, the words that we're not supposed to say, right. There are no such thing as vacated targets. Peter <laughs> Howard would hate me. So right. I do remember reaching out to Peter though on Twitter and having some conversations with him like early on. And I love his work, you know, you like, just, who's this interesting man with the spelling mistakes of plenty? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Right. Well, the thing that cracked me up about Peter is that he I remember seeing he was from Kentucky and I'm like, you don't sound like you're from yeah, Kentucky. Right? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so I just he just always kind of his his way with words and the way he handled his stats and his sheets yeah. and all that. Like, I don't know. That was just really cool. I really enjoyed that. So he was one of those earlier people, too, where, again, this is going to sound strange, but I'm like, if he can do it, I can do it. Right. Like he just had the passion, the drive and some knowledge, but he wasn't a content creator. I even think now Peter would probably say he's not a content creator. He's just a yeah. guy who thinks and has ideas. And it was like that kind of guy was like, I have ideas. I can think, you know what I mean? Like, why not right. I don't know, see what happens? So, again, I, I say all of that to tell anyone who's listening, like if you're if you're considering it, just do it. Like there's nothing stopping you. Right. Um, you create your own content, you know, make Twitter threads. There are plenty of people on Twitter that started from, like I said, just Twitter threads. Mm -hmm. Or just, you know, content of its own sort, just one tweets, you know, just kind of be different about it. Like, what are you thinking about? Like today I was thinking about Jared Goff. I'm like, Jared Goff has actually been pretty good this year. Like, it's been surprising. And so I looked up <laughs> some stats and everything. And my my life and my my day job has gotten a lot busier than it was back in the day. So I don't really have as much time to tweet. Um, but that was one of those where I'm like, I would back in the day, I would have just gone online and been like, here's some thoughts on Jared Goff. I'm like, here's a thread of stuff I found. And this is interesting to me and like kind of starting a conversation. So anyone out there who's like that, I feel like, you know, if you've got the bug, you probably know it. If you're listening to this, you probably have the bug. And uh, it's like, yeah. just go out there and make it. 
there will be somebody to read it. For sure. And you just got to, like you said, keep pounding, keep putting the content out. And, you know, you're doing it for you, but being able to share it for other people is pretty dope as well. And you coming into putting out content and everything was right around, it was, there was a time called COVID time, which is still yes. going on now, but that was the whole you know, start of oh, that. 2020 so, was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask, <laughs> how did that change your approach to doing things? Well, so again, 2019, I was doing, I think it was like one or two articles a week during the season. And it was all like assigned articles where it was like, you know, um, right on this player for Thursday night. And what do you think they're going to do? Or like this player or this player, you know, just kind of trying to hit the Google search trends and things like that, which again, that was very informative and very helpful for me as a writer to be like, well, here, that's what people are searching for. Then that's probably what I should write about, you know, like <laughs> kind of catering what I don't want to talk to talk about something nobody cares about. That gets kind of exhausting. Um, but I know during COVID it got interesting because everybody, it seemed like everybody on Twitter was just in 30 leagues. And it seemed like this little niche of the, of the internet just exploded. Like there were so many more people that came online and there were so many more people creating content, so many new websites, new podcasts, new leagues. Like I, it was, it was a wild time. And I'll be honest, like it, I, like everyone else joined way too many leagues in that time. And, you know, 19, I joined a bunch and then 20, I was like, I can't, I can't. Okay, fine. And so it just, it, it just kept happening. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But um, it was interesting as a content creator, because I felt like I, I would almost say like I had more of a duty to create content. Like I had more of a need but it didn't feel like it was more pressure because there was so much content. Like part of it was like, oh, who's going to read my article anyway? Like it was kind of like an imposter syndrome, but in a good way. I don't know how else to phrase it. Where it's like, oh, who cares if it sucks? No one's going to read it anyway. Like we're good. Let's just put it out there, you know, which is the right. opposite of a lot of content creators. who are like, <laughs> why am I writing this? No one's going to read it. I'm not going to bother. Mine was, I might as well bother. <laughs> like I just right kept on. thinking that's what tags would do. You know what I mean? Like that's what, mm -hmm. that's what he would just keep going. Like that's the whole thing, you know? And so I, and obviously him passing away was brutal. And, and I was, man, that, that wrecked a lot of us. I know that I'm not alone on that, but mm -hmm. I just remember thinking like into 2020, like that was a, a fun off season aside from that. Yeah. And then that, that whole year with like Joe taking over and there was obviously a lot of other drama at fantasy pros, but I've always been a fan of them and that brand and how they bring everybody together. So again, to kind of wrap it up in a sense, like I, that is the place I always wanted to write for. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like, that's the one that I needed to be with. Like I, big fan of football guys, big fan of ESPN, big fan of uh, Yahoo. Those guys are awesome. Like all these other guys, like Chris Harris, one of my favorite Christopher Harris podcasts, like love that guy. Right. But mm -hmm. I mean, all of those have their own pros and cons, but for me, it was always like just something about that fantasy pros was like, that's where I need to write. That's tags would want me there. You know what I mean? Like it just felt right. So 2020 was a good year for that because it kind of helped me get toward that content level where I was like, all right, now I'm, I'm frequent enough. I'm consistent enough. I had a lot of good editors at PFN that really helped kind of hone me and kind of zoom me in and gave me a lot of good stuff that, you know, the guys at Fantasy Pros wanted me to start there. And I was just like, ah, yes, I'd be happy. <laughs> so, yeah, I got lucky. Fantasy Pros is probably one of those sites that you kind of feel like you're an insider when you go there, right? When you yeah. start looking at your stuff, when you're like, especially when you're brand new to fantasy i remember going to fantasy pros and being like i'm getting this information um so yeah that's one of those big sites that everybody's like whoa and so to be able to work with them and be a part of that team i'm sure has been an awesome ride so what have you learned what is one of the biggest things that you've learned from writing over there 
Well, I mean, fantasy pros is great, but I mean, I'm still like a part timer. Like I'm not, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm only doing like two articles sometimes a week. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm just kind right. of barely there, which is actually perfect for me. Cause again, like I said, I got a yeah. full time job. This is a 100%. side gig. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I say to people too, like if you, if you want to be full time in this industry, it's not going to happen overnight. You're going to have to put in some time. And that's true of any industry. It's true of any job. You know, you got to kind of put your licks in. Um, but I like being part-time. I don't want to be full-time in this industry, which I think I'm maybe one of the few in that world where it's just like, I'm fine to be on the outside and just kind of, you know, supporting everyone else that wants to go. Like, I don't want to take a full-time job from someone like, you know, Herms. Yeah. I don't know if you saw like Herms just got a full-time yeah, gig. I saw that. I'm like, thank mm -hmm. you. Like, that's awesome. Like he wants that. He deserves that. He earned that. You know, um, I know others like, you know, Jeff Bell, who you had on mentioning him again, like big full-time guy with not full-time per se, but has a right. really big but, position with yeah. football guys. And like, Dave Kluge, who I know was kind of big into the scene and kind of got a real job and, and a real job, you know? And so part of me is just like, I just love seeing that happen for others. Yes. You know, like I'm just a big fan of that. And I, I just, I'm never jealous of it. I'm always like, good for you, man. That's awesome. Like, and if at some point, if at some point fantasy pros comes to me like, Hey, we don't need you to write for us anymore. I'll be, I literally will be like, well, thank you. Let me know if that changes. I appreciate everything. I'm out. You know, like I, it's not going to make or break my day. And I think that's another piece of advice I would give is like, this is to me anyway, this is a hobby. This is something I do to distract myself from the real world. It's a where it's where I can go to, you know, talk to others who have similar interests and similar feelings about, you know, different things and bring others together and all this. So just writing for the company that I always admired and, and again, looked up to with tags specifically, like it's, it's just still like pinch me. Like it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel real, but I'm glad that I get to write, even if it's only one article, I'll write anything they want me to write, which is awesome. The space is so cool with all the people that are in it that are you see growing, like you said, and you listen to a lot of those those people. Actually, I think they've all been on. Um, and, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like really cool to see people grow. It's really cool to see how you've grown. It's really cool to see because, like you said, I've been around in, in quote unquote, in the space, I was kind of like you, where it was like, somebody was like, why aren't you putting out content? I was like, oh, should I? Yeah. Didn't know I so, could. Yeah. yeah. Right. I didn't know I could, but you know, I think the Scott Fishbowl, which you had brought up earlier, I think the Scott Fishbowl has played a big part in people wanting to put out content. They want to be that analyst. They want to be that content creator. They enjoy putting out the content anyway. So why not? Like you said, why not? So Scott Fishbowl is, I probably talk about it on this podcast way too much and you have to it's, you have it's, it's to. so ubiquitous it's so, like yeah it's so important to the fantasy football community the space it's just it's a great way to bring everyone together and you said scott fishbowl nine was the first one that you had um gotten into yep. how do, so how exactly did you get into the scott fishbowl the first time oh so that's a that's an interesting story so i was on vacation in hilton head and they were the invites were going out and I remember checking my email all the time and my wife, I was with my wife and her family. And I remember she was just like, get off your phone, get off your phone. I'm like, I'm just really, I just, I'm just checking spam one more time. Like, you know, and I remember uh, when I was on Twitter somewhere and I remember seeing like, it was probably the Thursday of that week where invites started going out on Monday. Right. And I was like, the odds are dwindling there. I mean, again, Scott Fishbowl nine, I think was like 800 people or like a thousand. I don't know. It wasn't 3000 like it is now. It was a little smaller. <laughs> Um, but I remember seeing a lot of people that I followed and paid attention to, obviously were posting about it and showing their invites and everybody was high-fiving each other. And it just was like a really fun vibe. And I, I didn't want to, I'm not going to say I felt like I was missing out. I was so new and on Twitter and like in the industry and I wasn't a content creator yet. I was just like hanging out and I wasn't getting angry, but I saw other people that were kind of like 
why not me? Like, why am I not getting in? How come this person got in? And I was just like, man, that's, I remember commenting at one point. I was like, man, that's not the attitude to have. Like Scott would let everybody in if he could. That's not how this is. Like, it's not a gatekeeping thing. It's just, there is a limited number that he can manage. Like this is, yeah, give the guy, cut the guy some slack, you know? (laughs) And I remember he commented on my tweet or something. And it was like, like Andrew's got the right mindset. Like if you want to get in, that's the way to get in. And I was like, I don't even care if I, I think it's just like, I don't even care if I get in this year. Like, I'm just glad to be a part of it. It's such a good cause. It raises a ton of money for charity. I remember buying a Scott Fishbowl nine shirt and I was just like, well, actually I remember thinking, I don't want to buy it yet. I want to see if I get in first, you know, I kind of want to play it and see, I don't know if I want to buy a shirt yet, but I remember supporting other things and donating money to get in drawings and all that, you know? And then, uh, I remember getting a DM from Scott where he was like, Hey, we had somebody drop out. Like the draft started that Monday and I was still on vacation, getting ready to come home. And he was like, Hey, the, the, somebody dropped out. Can you join? And I was like, yeah, I'm in, let's go. Like (laughs) wherever you need me. Uh, So I was like super excited to get a chance to do that. And it was just, I don't know, it was mind blowing to be able to be in that uh, and just to kind of get a chance. And again, I was in some, in a great league with some people that I'm still friends with now. um, And it was just, uh, it was just, I was in awe, you know, but again, mm-hmm. it was it was such a unifying event. I felt like everybody kind of comes together. There, there is a little bit of negativity around it, which I don't quite get. But it's really just more of I want that fun too, yeah. right? And I want to be involved in it. But I'm a big fan of all the group chats, like all the you know the discords now that are going on because you can only have so many people in the group chat yeah. DM on Twitter. <laughs> but like the the pick chats are awesome, and then there's all the eliminators, which I got to help work, work with uh, John Bosch on this year for kind of satellites in a sense you know kind of the f f f f b was it fc eliminators fantasy cares eliminators so there's just such a unique i don't know energy around it it's just such a fun time i love july now it's like my favorite time of the year i mean i am the same way and i know that that feeling that you get right when you know you get that in right and then getting to draft it's great and such an awesome experience. If you haven't been in the Scott Fishbowl, go sign up now. Yeah. So that you, can you I mean, because if you complain about not getting in it and you didn't sign up, then you, you got to, you got to, it's very important. It's so make free. Sure you it go. doesn't take any time. Yeah. It's like, it you like, might as well. Yeah. It literally yeah. takes two seconds. So go do it. And Scott Fishbowl, you brought up the FC eliminators. There's so many different types of leagues out there now. Do you have a favorite type of setting or a special league or both? that you're really all about? Well, I really like dynasty. Obviously that's my favorite by far. I, I will, you know, till the cows come home, tell people if you're in redraft or, or keeper, just go to dynasty. I think you'll have fun with it. So definitely dynasty. I do like their, like my, my original, like home dynasty league, the one that we started in, you know, with our friends uh, is a one QB league. And it's one of the few one QB dynasty leagues that I'm still in. But I think that's probably the easiest way to to access Dynasty for, for new people because the valuations on quarterback are a little lower, so they don't really mean as much, which is a good thing if you're starting out. There's so much other stuff to absorb. So I always say, like, if you're new, I recommend 1QB, like, unless you're familiar with Superflex already, which there are some Superflex redraft and keeper leagues. So if you're familiar with the format there, that's fine. Um, I, I like tight end premium, but again, if you're not familiar with that, don't jump in deep. I will say too, I've been in a couple of leagues, you know, through my time in this, you know, hobby where I, I joined a league that like an IDP league. It's just not for me. I don't, I'm not saying right. it's not for everyone. It's just not for me. Right. Like, so I always say to people too, join leagues you're not familiar with, like join formats you've never done before and see if you like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the league itself will tell you a lot more about anything than the format. So I always tell people too, join a league with people you like, you know, the format itself doesn't matter as much as the people. 
Um, right. I'll, I'll join a, you know, one QB, one running back, three tight end league. If it's got J Mike in it, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if it's got Russ Fisher in it, you know, if it's got Let's Rocky, go. in it, you know, like, Let's like go, these guys. are the people that are just like so much fun to hang out with, you know, like, right. And there are, there are many others. And I, I, one, yeah, I want we don't have time names, to list them all right now. Yeah, I'll pick yeah, these yeah. names you know up you I are. dropped, but it's more like that <laughs> to me is like the fun of it is more important than, than the format. Right. right. Um, but I do like tight end premium as a way to kind of balance tight end out. I wasn't a fan of it at first. And I kind of came around same with Superflex. Like I like that because it allows you some more options. It gives you some more scoring and point for first down. I'm a big fan of, uh, I like half PPR over regular PPR. I feel like it's a little bit more balanced, but again, like all of that stuff is just from playing in leagues. Like I would never know any of that if I hadn't joined a league that had it. And so if you're only in one type of league and you love it, that's great. Not not hating your format. I'm just saying right. branch out a little, try the others. And I can tell you from experience, the ones that I like and the ones I don't like. And that when helps you, me now if I'm joining a new league. When you, when you try these new leagues, now I've tried some leagues that I just, I'm like, nope, sorry, John Bosch. You're, I can't keep all of those rules in my head. Um, but like the, the league difficulty, obviously it's changing and things are like you brought up tight end premium you brought up and running back is a big thing. that's kind of doing a little bit of a, a change, doing a little bit of a flip, less bell cows and you've got a lot oh, yeah. more. Yeah. So how do you think the future of fantasy football is going to be when, in terms of like changing for that kind of position change? Well, I think what we're, I think what I'd like to see is maybe different than what we're going to see. I, can't, I, don't know <laughs> if I can predict what we're going to see, but I think um, I'm in a couple leagues where it's like start one of each and then a bunch of flex and a super flex. I think that's going to be where we go in general, just because that allows every player in the league to build their roster how they want. Um, Cause I know there are definitely some people that, that like having three stud running backs when you only have to start two, because then your flex is a, a beast and their wide receiver position is so deep, right? Like you can go and get guys off the waivers, but then there are others that are like running backs don't matter. I can pick them up off waivers better. Like I'm better with that mentality and I'd rather have three stud receivers. So if you have a league setting that allows for both of those players to enjoy the league, I think you're going to have a better time in the league if everybody's happy. Um, something I talk about a lot on dynasty junkies is like, know your league and like, you know, timing is everything and all that, but like starting requirements are something that I, I think gets missed a lot on trade polls and in, in DMS. I ask people for context all the time where I'm yes, like, thank they're, you. they're talking, they're like, Hey, should I trade uh, TJ Hawkinson for Saquon Barkley? I'm like, Oh, Barkley in a heartbeat. Like, are you kidding me? And then I'm like, well, wait a minute. Why are you even considering that trade? Cause that makes no sense. And they're like, Oh, it's a start two tight end league. And it, you only have to start one running back. I'm like, well, then hang on a minute. Like now, Hawkinson <laughs> might be the way to, you know. So context right. is always key. And the more information you get, the better. So, and I know that it's tough, especially on Twitter, when everybody's just in, you know, bite-sized mentality. Mm-hmm. You don't have time for all this. But as our friend Russ says, like, I do care about your fantasy team. Like, I do. I want to see more about it. Like, I want to learn more about what's going on. And I've got a bunch of people in my DMs that are always like, hey, what do you think about this trade? And I'll say, well, how deep are you at tight end? Like, who would you start after that? Or like, what are your running backs like? And so now it's kind of the point where the same people will DM me again, and they'll just pretty much list their entire roster. And sometimes that could be seen as annoying. I'm like, no, thank you, please. Like, yeah. give me more, the more information, the better. I want to help you. I can't do that without that. And that actually is one of the main reasons I like di- listening to Dynasty Junkies so much when I, I kind of started in this. And now I'm, I'm lucky to be on the show. But we have a segment on there called Find Me a Trade. And it's literally, we go into your league and find a trade for your team that we think would make sense or that we would do. And to me, that is like the, the furthest down that rabbit hole you can go. 
Like the more information I can get about everything, like we go in there and it's, if it's on MFL, it helps. It's much easier than on sleeper, but we can see the standings. We can see points for, we can see previous trades. We can see like how active the league is. Like we did one a couple of weeks ago where there were two trades, I think the entire season during the season in this dynasty league, it's like that changes things right now. There are no trades being made. You're going to have to overpay to get mm-hmm. the other guy to agree. That changes all of the calculus, right? So all of that kind of to say, like, there, there is no wrong answer. There is no right answer. But I think something that allows for more flexibility across every position is going to help everybody out. Indeed. And that's why, yeah, that's why, like, when I, I commission my home league, like, the basic of the basic. But I'm like, you know what? Let's throw in an, an extra flex and take away, you know, because it's like, why not? We're trying to have fun here. Let's have fun. Well, in my home league, I love this. The commissioner that shout out Adam, he actually, a couple years ago, we were doing uh, two receivers or it was one quarterback, two running back, two receivers, a tight end, a kicker and a defense, like your vanilla lineup, right? right? Like that's what most leagues have. And we, I forget exactly how it came up, but we voted to switch it from two receivers and a tight end to three wide receiver tight end slots. And I loved that change because it allows for like, I don't even have a tight end that I have to play. Right. But if you get Kelsey or Andrews or one of those guys and their value will drop down the draft board, right? If you get one of those, you're going to start them. Right. And so like, I think I have an, on my bench, I've got Fryermuth and Hawkinson that can fill in, in in a pinch, right? If I got somebody hurt, but they're not upside guys, they're four guys. And there are definitely times where that comes in handy. So things like that, I love when you can do that, when you can like make it a, a small change, one little thing, each year make one little trade one little option to your league like we we still are this this home league is still non-ppr like we still are zero points per reception and there has been a discussion in the, in the group thread where it's like should we go to half ppr or full ppr and all this and they know that i create content now so nobody trades with me and everybody's always <laughs> like you know well drew doesn't care he's in all these leagues and i'm like just i'm trying to help you guys out like it's just more fun you know right but ultimately that's what it comes down to right what do you and your league want to do that's the whole point so we're here to have a good time. That's and right. you brought up Dynasty Junkies, and that is a big part of what I wanted to talk to you about on this show because Perfect. I was uh, listening earlier. I went back and listened to like episode 15 when you were a guest. No. I don't know if it was your first time as a guest. I didn't listen to the whole thing, but I wanted to see, you know, how things had changed over there and everything, right? And so you haven't always been over with dynasty junkies how did you become a part of that podcast well yeah so that was my first episode (laughs) with them uh i i keep track of all my podcasts that was actually my sixth ever podcast experience and that was another one of those like i wasn't i was you know creating content writing articles but i was like i'm not a podcaster like that's not what i do i don't know what are you talking about but after you know doing a first couple of those and i remember reaching out i think i reached out to rocky or he reached out to me i forget and i just i've always been a fan of him I thought he had a really interesting, unique voice on things and like his, his mentality is really good. So I remember getting on that was kind of like a, a, a little, I don't know, eye opener in a sense to be like, wait, I might be able to actually do this. Uh, I was on Dynasty Game Night just before that, which was pure luck because I was in a, a group chat with Russ and he put something like, hey, we had somebody cancel. Can somebody jump on? And I was like, yeah, sure. And so I think he and, and Rocky both were early in my time. And I was just on Trade Addicts last week with the two of them. And it's quite, you know weird how it comes full circle. But I do remember when I first started on there, I was like, these guys, him and Dustin, Rocky and Dustin had a really good vibe going. And I liked Dustin. I thought he was really smart and really intelligent. And then he obviously left the podcast and Scott Sidlow joined on. And uh, then Scott was kind of 
I wouldn't say burning out, but like had other life things coming right. up, which happens to all of us. Yes. And so it was kind of like uh, Rocky reached out to me in the summer of 21. and was like, hey, would you want to come on and kind of, you know, fill in for Scott, you know, while he's dealing with some other stuff or like while he's busy. And I was like, no, oh, sure. Why not? Like, you know, I'll jump on there. And so now it's been a year and a half and, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying the hell out of it. It's still a lot of fun. Obviously, we're going to have you on. We're going to have you on this week. It's going to be great. Yeah, Anybody I'm excited. It may not be this I don't week know anything. Yeah. <laughs> It'll but be, no, that, go find our, yeah, go find it. You'll find everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that, the whole point of it is it's just really an open discussion. It's just like, we're just yeah. having a good time. We like to talk about a bunch of things. It's not very heady. It's not very stats driven. It's more of a conversation. We talk a lot about trades, which I'm a big fan of. I know Rocky and Scott and I all have different perspectives on how to play Dynasty. Um, Scott obviously is more of a portfolio player where he's got 50 teams and he's got, <laughs> you know, ownership or roster ship percentages and things like that. He's got thresholds. He wants to stay over and under. And like, there's a whole game within a game that he's playing. And then Rocky's joined a bunch of teams, obviously with trade addicts and, and kind of growing his own portfolio. And we all do that, but it's just the way that they play the game is so different for me. I love talking to those guys, uh, most weeks, you know, I'm not on every week. We kind of get to rotate, which is great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's great to be able to bounce some ideas off someone and just kind of have a conversation every once in a while. And then doing it during Thursday night football uh, has its pros and cons. It's been mostly pros. This season has been kind of blah for Thursday night football <laughs> where it's like, you know, put me to sleep. At least I have someone to talk to while we watch the end of this Washington and Chicago game where it goes like 12 to 10, you know. Um, but yeah, so it's it's just been a really good time. And, and I've been blessed to be on there for as long as I've been on there and feels like home to me now going into podcasting and not really, I mean, guesting yes. And, and everything it's a whole different ball game, hosting a show or being a co-host on yes. a show. How did you prepare yourself for going in that direction? So I remember uh, one of the the hosts, I used to listen to the CBS uh, fantasy podcast and I thought Adam and Adam Azer always did a great job hosting, kind of keeping things moving and like keeping the the goal in mind of we have to get out of here. Right. Which I think as a host is, kind of annoying sometimes like to listen to to be like why are we why are we cutting it off but as a host you just have to keep it moving right mm -hmm. and so i think that makes it kind of strange and we had uh calvin uh shoemake come on who uh, you know big fan of cal and the dynasty vipers and all those guys and he's obviously with dynasty uh d or no dlf that's what he's with dlf i think now doing some stuff for them and he's a host on their shows and so we had him on as a guest and you know we were talking with him it's like it is very different to be a guest versus a host you know, with a guest, like I'm a guest here, right? I get to kind of come in and talk about whatever and like, they're, you know, just kind of move through the day with a host. It's like, you have to be kind of more a chair. You have to be more like on top of things and figuring out what's next. And like, I'm sure you're thinking about what's coming up as I'm talking, right? Like that's so much of a different muscle. And we had Joe Pisapia come on a couple of times on Junkies and he's obviously a host for Fantasy Pros. And he loves not being a host on our show because he can kind of let loose and go nuts. Um, but it is just, it's, it's such a different thing. And I always, yes. again, anybody who's looking at potentially being on a podcast or hosting a podcast, who's listening to a bunch of these podcasts and digesting all this information, I always say like, well, just guest as many times as you can get the rust off, take your reps, you know, like just start getting your gear together, get your voice together, like just shake off the rust. And I know as, as someone, again, like yourself, who hosts your own podcast, that doesn't make it easier. <laughs> like no. it, it can be kind of stressful on its own to be a host. So more power to you, Casey. But again, I, I feel you. I feel you. 
Yeah, I mean, I started this podcast and went into it like, okay, I'm going to be by myself talking to a person one-on-one. Like, what am I getting myself into? But really, like, once you get started, it comes more comfortable to you. And guesting on other people's podcasts is always great, too, except for when you're me. I went to this kind of podcast because fantasy football, I love to absorb the information like you were talking about, but I'm not really good at giving the information. So I'll take it in and talk to the people who, you know, have the, have the brains and I'll just absorb it like a sponge. Um, Well, that's actually a great way to put it too. Like some, maybe that's the easiest way to delineate it. When you're a guest, you're more of the talker. When you're a host, you're more of a listener. Yes. Right. And so there, there is a whole different set of things that you're doing for both. Um, but I like the idea of doing both, obviously, but if you're going to host, I feel like the best hosts are also really good guests where like they understand both sides of, of what needs to happen. Um, and I know with an interview show like this, where it's kind of one-on-one, that is a whole different thing too, because we, at least on junkies, (laughs) it's always two hosts with a guest. And so there's, you know, kind of different ways you can kind of communicate things and there's different thoughts and interruptions. Like it's a little less stress if there's three voices instead of two. Um, so I definitely feel your pain, but I've done some solo <laughs> shows where, you know, you just kind of grind through it. You're like, well, all right, it's just going to be like, I was on uh, fantasy timeline a couple weeks ago with Josh. It was just me and him. We talked for almost two hours. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it, it's amazing how fast time can fly. So yeah, anytime you're talking about something you enjoy, I say do it. So don't be afraid guys. If you're listening, just put out a note on Twitter. Anybody looking for guests? You'll get three or four people in your DMs, I guarantee you. (laughs) I was going to ask if you had any tips for people to guest on podcasts so that, you know, I know posting it is the best way is to try and get your, but do you have any ideas because of how, when you started, what you were going through, how you figured out how to get, did you do the same thing, put a post out or how did you get into it? Well, I was, I mean, again, I was writing, but barely, and I was kind of like part-timing all over the place. And it was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. So <laughs> I remember thinking, uh, I wanted to try it. And it was right around Scott Fishbowl time, like leading, it was like in June, my first ever podcast was the one for PFN. Like I was writing for them anyway. And I was like, oh, this should be pretty easy. Like if you guys need a guest, let me know. And there was already three of them and they didn't really do a lot of guests. It was Andrew, Tommy, and Corey, I think was the third one. And so like the three of them were, were, great together they had a really good vibe and they didn't usually have a guest come on because it, it was one of those like fantasy footballers where you get three guys and they just talk every day yeah and i was like well if you need a if you need a guest or something let me know and i thought it was really cool that they were like yeah we'll have you on it'll be a great time and it was freaky like, it was terrifying you know what i mean like i <laughs> thought i was doing everything wrong like my audio sounded a lot of whack like i just didn't know what i was doing and I remember doing a couple different sfbx things because i said hey if you want to talk sfbx i'm willing to come on your podcast and just was like diving into the scary you know what i mean just like aversion therapy like i'm just gonna do it we're just gonna see how it goes um but some of those some of those podcasts were still one of my you know the most memorable you know just just crazy fun getting to talk to like kevin tompkins was one of the early ones i was on uh i was on the ff astronauts way back in the day in 2020 and like i don't know just a lot of really good people that i got to interact with now as someone who has his own podcast i tend to say no more than yes because it's like i have so much i'm already doing i'm writing all this i'm you know, I don't really go on any podcast that right. asks anymore. But again, like this one, of course, like Trade Addicts, of course, like some of these where I'm like, you guys were, you're my friends at this point. Like this, these are people mm-hmm. that I yeah, like, glad to talk to you for an hour and a half. That's that's <laughs> no problem, you know? Right. Um, but again, you gotta, you gotta be careful too. Don't overextend yourself, you know? No. 
Exactly. There are a lot of people asking for your time and they're, they're willing to take it if you give it to them. And that can really burn you out. And I think we've all seen that of people that are like going too hard, you know, like doing three guests a day and they're writing articles and they're up till four in the morning and then they get up at seven with the kids and they got to just dude pace yourself, like yeah. know your limits. And I know, especially now and into the December part of the season, I am kind of getting burned out even from the little bit that I'm doing. Right. And so, and I was saying, saying before about tags and like Peter Howard and all these guys, like everybody burns out, like you have to know your own limit. And I think that's something to kind of on the other end of this, like, don't just go crazy and say yes to everyone either. Like be careful with your time. You don't get it back. You know, preach because when I first started this podcast and I was getting asked to be on people's podcast. And even when I first started like writing and stuff and I'm like, yes, because I want to get my content out there. So I'm like, okay, I can plug my stuff. I can, you know, get my name out there and everything. And that's cool when you get started. But sometimes, yeah, you need to take it back a little bit if you start feeling a little. Well, it's so exciting. You want to say yes. You're like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. And I remember, I think there was one week where I did like four in one week like one every night. And my wife is like, what are you doing? I'm like, yeah, I don't know what, like, this is just too much. Like that, you know what I mean? Like I got to calm it down. Like real world is important. You know, like don't, don't sacrifice your your real relationships or your real sleep for something that is fantasy related. Right. Like just, just come on, just breathe. It'll be there in the morning, you know, take a nap. You're fine. (laughs) (laughs) Great advice. Take a nap. You're fine. How does your wife feel about you putting out content and spending all this time doing podcast and writing and all that fun stuff well at first she was like i don't get it you know at first she was like what is the point of all this like you're, you're just talking to the same four people like what do they what do they care and i think <laughs> it was uh probably when i when i was writing for pro football network she's like i've never even heard of them and i was like yeah well they're paying me like you know 10 bucks an article or whatever like you know and i'm like well that's something and that goes towards my fantasy money you know like that goes i just take all of that on my paypal or whatever and just use it for fantasy entries the next year like i'm not really making money at this point i'm just paying things off in different ways but I remember it was like when I would start winning more because I started creating content more and like paying attention more and doing yes. dynasty more. Like I started winning more. And then she was like, oh, you can actually like winning leagues is where the money's at. You know what I mean? Like that's where really the money comes from. And she liked that. Um, <laughs> but I know too, when I started writing for fantasy pros and like I'd have articles that, you know, her work friends had seen my work or like there was a, there was an article that I wrote and I sent it to her dad because it had some, you know, Detroit Lions stuff in it. And he's a Lions fan. He thought that was really cool. So like over the years, it's been kind of interesting. Like my boss at work, even uh, I told him about how he wrote articles and stuff like a year or two ago. And he was like, well, that seems kind of silly. And like, I don't know why you would waste your time with that. I'm like, yeah, you go fishing at three in the morning. Don't talk to me about silly. Like we all have our things. You know what I mean? And he was like, fair point. Like I didn't think of it like that, you know? So I think it's kind of the same with my wife too. She's like, this is just what you like to do. She's like, I like to read on the couch while TV's playing. You like to talk football with people all over the U.S. that you never meet in real life, except for the expo, of course. Except for the Um, expo. Which was awesome. And so I was even going to bounce the question back to you. Like, I know I met your wife, Sarah, at the expo. You guys are awesome. And you know, (laughs) what does your wife think of this? Does she think it's kind of a silly thing still? Or now that she's been to the expo, does she have a new respect for it? Well, she doesn't listen to this podcast, so I can Perfect. be honest. Uh, <laughs> no, um, I think she's still a little annoyed by it and and stuff, but I think she's coming around to like she has hobbies or she's trying to have hobbies. And so like for me to be able to do something that brings joy to me, and maybe it's not monetary, but I'm right. so happy putting out content and, and getting, you know, people to listen and, and, and learn from everybody. It's one of my favorite things in the entire world is just to be able to, to help people out. And so I think she sees that now. And I think that the, 
expo kind of did open her eyes to things because like we did the women's panel and you know yes. all that stuff and and she was like wow you know and my dad showed up and he was the same way oh, like wow yeah, he was so great yeah it's 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 just one of those things where it's like okay now you see how happy this makes me so you're less annoyed but she's still like really rating dinner tonight at 8 30 but you know <laughs> sacrifices <laughs> well i guess in that regard i'm a little bit lucky my wife likes to go to bed kind of early and we usually do junkies at 9 30 my wife's usually yeah. asleep by then See? so it's like at that point like i'm just in the other room trying to be quiet sometimes i get a little loud yeah I wake her up and that's you know that's not good and that's on me you know like i should be a good husband but also like <laughs> it's just the, the nature of you know how we get into conversation sometimes but ultimately i think if if your significant other is supportive, obviously that's much more helpful. It's much easier. But mm -hmm. like I said too, it's all about balance. You can't, you know, sacrifice right. your significant other for this either. Yeah. You have to kind of keep everything spinning. All the plates got to keep spinning. You know, you got to keep everybody happy. Indeed. Like you, like you were asking earlier, you know, when we were talking earlier about like guesting and guesting and guesting. Yeah. Doing four podcasts or five podcasts a week you only have a certain Sounds amount of great, time with but... each other, you know? And so yeah. like, especially if your wife goes to bed so early, you really don't have a lot of time. So totally get that. Well, and that's why I like doing, like I said, I like doing podcasts later. There have been some where I think there was one I started at like 11 PM cause they were on the West coast. Mm. And I was like, that's going to be weird. You know, like, Oh, that's going to be such a late time. But <laughs> and, you know, again, an hour can fly by. There are definitely times where on junkies, we don't get started till almost 10 and we go till midnight anyway. Yeah. Um, and again, I mean, not that it was a podcast, but I was able to go on uh, Sirius XM, which was really cool. Uh, Bob Harris invited me on the, the diehards on a Thursday night after a football game. And so I did the junkies and then kind of hung out for a little while and then was able to get on Sirius XM. So that was really cool, too, where she was like, wait, they let you on the radio? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it, it was a it's a bucket list, much like this podcast is, yeah. too. Like, I love having this conversation. Where it's like, this is awesome. But it's like there's some of those things where it just becomes like, oh, that is kind of real. So that changes the. I don't know, it changes the, the the tenor of it, you know, where it's like, oh, you're not just randomly talking to people. You're actually on the radio. Like you actually write articles for people. Like it's just, I don't know, it's a wild right. Wild. <laughs> I like to be like, hey, if you Google this, like, because when I wrote for the fantasy footballers, like that stuff yes. would like come to this. So I'd be like, if you Google it, you'll see my name. Like my right? favorite <laughs> ever that was in my my home dynasty league, the one I keep talking about, uh, that I started in 18. There was a guy in that league that sent me an article. And it was my article. Like he sent me an article <laughs> to convince awesome. me to make a trade. And I literally replied back with, who wrote that? And he goes, well, wait, that's not you. I'm like, hate to break it to you, but that is me. Like, I literally <laughs> wrote that article, so I'm not going to take this trade. Like, I, you know what I mean? It was like, that yeah. was that was another like, what? Like, you, <laughs> they let you write things? And, you know, I try to hold that back on some leagues because then people try to take advantage. Um, yeah. But I know when I was with Pro Football Network, I was doing rankings. I hate doing rankings. Yes. Like that is my, I'm so <laughs> glad I don't have to do them anymore. I know there are a lot of people that want to do rankings and like get high on the fantasy pros rankings and all that. I'm just, nope, 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 not, not for me. Uh, and I've had a couple of people over the years when I was doing that for PFN where they would call me out and they said, Oh, you like uh, DK Metcalf more than Devonte Adams. You want to trade me straight up? And I'm like, I, I mean, how do I say no? I mean, those are my rankings, but market says otherwise. Like, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Sorry, so I got to go with on me on this <sighs> one. Right? It's like, damn, I guess I have to. So, yeah, I mean, there are pros and cons to all of that, but it just the more, the more quote unquote real it gets, the more that she's kind of like, I mean, it's legit. You're not, you know, you're not messing around. Go have your fun. But at the same time, the longer you do it, the more legit it becomes anyway, you mm -hmm. know? 
Right. I think my wife is just surprised I've stuck to something for so long because I jump hobbies like it's going out of style. Like, I think oh, we so all cool. did. Honestly, I, I was <laughs> I probably would have done that. Like I would have switched to something else because I had done that for years. I'd always just kind of moved from one thing to the next. But I think COVID really solidified it where like I, I just sort of went deeper instead of getting out. I went deeper in and <laughs> yeah. I don't see myself leaving now. Like I might right. take some time off here and there or like refresh after the season, but dynasty doesn't stop. Let's go. You know what I mean? Like it's just such a fun thing. I wanted to talk to you about the expo because you brought it up and hmm. obviously uh, I brought it up earlier that we had met. Um, how many times have you gone to the expo? Was last year your first time or had you been there before? Well, this, this past year was my second, actually. So um, I went in, I think it was 20. Was it 20 that they had it? Or 21? Well, it was like, I yeah. I think it was 21 and it was 21 and 22 are the two that I've gone to then. Because I don't think it was, I don't think it was going on in 20. I think they canceled it. They have, and I, I remember hearing like, about like, it in 19, <laughs> but I didn't go. And I remember thinking yeah, like, ah, I was on the fence. It. Like, I live in Cincinnati, which is only like three and a half hours from Canton. Lucky. And I was like, I should go <laughs> in, in 19. <laughs> Well, I mean, I got lucky in that regard, but it's like, you know, I, I should go, I should go. And then I was like, ah, who am I going to know there? Like, I don't really know anybody, you know, who am I going to hang out with? Like, so at first when I was just getting started and, and just starting to write, it wasn't, I did, I thought it was more of a content creator expo mm -hmm. and I was wrong. I, I should have right. gone. That's... Like I would have had such a good time because it is not a content creator expo. Um, I know just from this last year, the way that it was run and the way that it was put together and you know, shout out to Bob Lung. I think he did a phenomenal job with the size of it getting bigger, but there's so much to absorb so many people to talk to. Like I, I honestly like, and I think you would agree with this. I didn't create any content while I was there. I just hung out with a bunch of people. I knew I got to say hi to a bunch of people. Like I got to see Marcus Grant. I got to see Adam rank. I got to see you, obviously. Like I got to see people I see on TV. I got to see people here on podcasts all the time. Like it was just so neat to like, meet everybody and to like just get involved with real conversations like this but just face to face in the park you know yeah. and losing my voice because we were shouting over the music you know what I mean like mm -hmm. just so much fun and it was like I I can't I wish I could go back and tell myself like don't be afraid like it is so much fun and it's a bunch of us that are all in the same nerdy aspect of like none of us know anybody really you know what I mean? Like we're all, we're yeah. all there doing the same dumb thing. We're just hanging out, talking to our heroes in a way, you know, we're all each other's heroes, which is awesome. Like, it's just so much fun. And I can't tell you too. I'm sure you've, you've, I'm sure I had this where it's like, somebody comes up to you and they're like, Oh, I'm a really big fan. And I'm like, I don't know who you are. And they're like, Oh, I'm so-and-so. And I'm like, still not ringing a bell. And they're like, Oh, here's my Twitter handle. I'm like, Oh, I know. Yes. What the heck? Like, Oh, so, yes. Yeah, oh that yes. Was, Cause again, my, my Twitter handle is my name. Right. So like, it's right. pretty obvious. Yeah. I remember even thinking like it took me forever to figure out what Russ's last name was because he was always just outhouse. outhouse you know, like he was yeah. just outhouse. And so there's a bunch of those people that you just start to, you know, see enough and you're just like, oh man, like the Dynasty Trades HQ guys, those guys are awesome, you know? And I mean, and J Mike, obviously, like I was talking about before, like there's a whole bunch of people I've been able to meet outside of, you know, fantasy stuff now and kind of become friends with and do poker nights. Like I went to a poker night with uh, Chris Allen and John Bosch and Drew Davenport and a couple others. And I, lost my hat it was awesome i didn't care it was a great time you know what i mean that like sounds fun. Yeah. But that's what i mean like it becomes you don't have to know anybody you become friends with these people so i highly recommend anybody listening make plans i think it gets announced in february or march somewhere in there but when it comes out make it happen you yeah. won't regret it start saving up now that's what i'm doing i'm like i'm learning i'm gonna have a like a separate account i'm gonna, it's, this is my can fund so well and I'm your wife's coming again it. right come on like sarah know. was a blast I'm, she was okay. awesome I'm sure I can get her to come again, uh, but 
we'll see. I mean, the first year she was supposed to come with me that I went in 2021. And then I had like the worst experience ever there. I was just going through some shit and it was just yeah. not, but I mean, obviously there were people there that brought a smile to my face, but overall it was like, eh. but when you're in a good mood and you want to see people that are like-minded it's the perfect place to go and yeah it's just crazy that, that like, whole weekend flew by like it was crazy how fast that was like oh my gosh i, I would do that again in a heartbeat you know? yes like it's or you it, could do it every it, weekend right <laughs> why do we have to be so far apart from I each miss other you, Casey. i miss I your wife too. too that sounds weird but i miss her too. <laughs> i'll let her know that she'll be like what yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Be like, maybe i have to listen to this episode now oh um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah but with the expo there's so much to do and like you said it flies by it flies by it's it but it's also a good spot to like network too. like i found oh, a, sure. a lot of people that i was like hey i want to have you on my podcast because you seem like a cool person and people would want to hear what you have to say so um did you meet a bunch of people that you didn't know like not just fans but like other people that like you didn't even know put out content yeah so I mean, if, again i think that everybody has their stories from the expo but i think the one that will probably stick out forever in my brain um when i went in 21 i remember meeting john bosch and he had a trunk full of beer because he's a big beer drinker i'm a big beer drinker and so i said you know what that was a great idea i should do that next year i should bring a cooler and just bring a bunch of beers and like trade beers with people and like that way I have beer around if we ever want to, you know, just hang out and have a beer. We don't have to like go to some bar or whatever. Like I can just, so this year I took a, a cooler full of beer and random stuff that I had in my fridge and, uh, some, some, uh, wine and some other stuff, just whatever I could find really. Right. And, uh, after the flag football game and after that whole kind of event thing ended on Saturday, uh, me and Rocky and Drew and, Oh, I'm forgetting his name now. It's killing me I'm trying to think of too many things at once. But, yeah, right. Um, a he bunch probably of us, named like 700 people. So I you're know, like, I don't I know. know which name is it now. <laughs> That's going to kill me. But um, we all ended up going out to like the parking lot where my car was parked. And we just sort of started drinking and tailgating after the, the game. And a bunch of random people were just walking by, of course, and like going to the party or coming from the party or going to wherever. And so we ended up just having like a big group for like three hours until it got dark. And then we ended up wandering into the party. But that during that three-hour gap, we met so many people, like the poll votes. We got to meet um, you know, a bunch of different people from in-between media and a couple mm -hmm. of different fans of people, that, like, just people that don't create content that just were there to have fun. And like, so it was really great to just see all these different things and like, I don't know, just hang out. And so it was just like the, a moving, like a, a moving group. Like it was never really the same six of us. It was like 50 people over the course of three hours. It, stopped by dropped off a beer had a beer had a shot what like just it was such a fun time just to kind of be like in the moment and i know rocky even was like this wasn't even planned like we didn't we just sort of wandered out here and started drinking in a parking lot and everybody <laughs> was like that's a great idea um but that i think is what i will remember the most because it was just so genuine it was just like the the great equalizer you know like we're just we're just people hanging out in a parking lot at this point like we're all the same like who, nobody's writing anything nobody's better than anyone nobody's you know holier than now we're all in this together it was just such a fun time so yeah highly recommend anybody you're on the fence get off that fence and come have fun man it's a good time I'm gonna have fun and come say hi to us because we'll That's be right. there so i'll be there for sure i can't yeah, skip it this time no, yeah <laughs> my favorite so, weekend of the year now it is it, it pretty much pretty much do you uh do you go to the hall of fame while you're there do you explore while you're there i know you're from around the area ohio but you know yeah it, it's actually really funny um 
I uh, I went in 21 and I planned on going to the Hall of Fame while I was there and I didn't. And then I went in uh, to the expo, which again is usually in early August, I think, right? Like, isn't it like early? I forget exactly now, like but it's like early teens of August. <laughs> yeah, like second weekend of August. Like yeah, that. And so like I went that. to that. Um, well, I should back up. I went to the uh, SFB live draft in Canton, which was in July and phenomenal. And I was going to go to the, uh, the Hall of Fame and I didn't. So that was my second time ever being in Canton and had never been to the Hall of Fame. <laughs> so when I went to the actual expo in August, I was like, I have to make I have to make time. I'm going to go. And so I uh, again, the group that we were hanging out with, we all were just like, well, we're let's just go. Like, let's just you know pick a time and go. And so we actually had a great time. Just a bunch of football fans walking around the Hall of Fame. So I will definitely do that again. I think that there's still a ton of stuff I didn't get to see. Even if I did see it, it'll be different eyes every time. So, yeah, I mean, the Hall of Fame is just impressive on its own. Just seeing all the busts and all the statues and, like, seeing all the, the men that have played this game and, as of right now, all men that have played this game and have made it what it is, it's just kind of, I don't know, awe-inspiring to kind of see it all in one place. So I had never been to the Hall of Fame after living in Ohio for all this time. I was like, man, I was missing out. So similar to, like, the thoughts on the Expo, like, how did I never go to the Hall of Fame? So, yeah, it's a two birds, one stone kind of weekend. Come on down. I've never been to the Hall of Fame, even though I've been there. Like, <laughs> I heard been, you mention that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it happens. Like, I got hung over one time and then my dad showed up the next time. So it was yep. like, I didn't have time. Uh, yep. So next year I have to go. So I'll make sure. We'll make plans, Casey. That. We'll go. It'll be great. Okay. Let's go. And then we can it's have happened. a couple Anybody beers else who's listening, you can join in. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have beers in the parking lot, go to the Hall of Fame, and then do something else. It'll be awesome. Sounds like a blast. I'm excited. Well, you know, it's getting late here. Ugh, I'm not, you know, I'm not where you are but it's still late for me i got like your your wife's bedtime going on over here and my yep. side of the, the house <laughs> over here um but i wanted to just before we go before we say our goodbyes just can you plug your stuff one more time and tell everybody where they can find find you at sure thing yeah so i mean my primarily right now i'm at fantasy pros that's the only place i'm writing i do one or two articles depending on what's going on and that's kind of wrapping up now that trades are kind of done because trade deadlines are over and you know everybody's sort of you know some people are checking out when they're not in the playoffs. So that kind of dwindles down, but I will be writing for them in the off season, doing at least one article a month on dynasty strategies and things like that. Um, so you can catch me there. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter, obviously at Andrew Hall FF. That's where all my stuff is. And then every Thursday, it, at least some of us will be on dynasty junkies at nine 30. We go live on the DAP network, the dynasty addicts podcast network. You can find us on Twitter, uh, but yeah, come through. It's free. You can just stop by on YouTube, send a comment, say hello, whatever you want to do. Uh, we have a guest every week. Obviously, you're going to be on this week. It's going to be awesome. Very excited. Yeah, uh, we got a bunch of good. Get- we, I, we, I think we do a really good job of running the gamut of having people that are kind of outside the norm, different voices, trying to hear different opinions. But then we also try to get some bigger names here and there too. Like we had Daniel Dopp on, which was awesome. Uh, Christopher Harris was on our podcast. Like we've had a lot of really big names too. So, I mean, again, we kind of we like to make sure that we get everybody's voice heard. Um, and there is no wrong information. It's just a conversation. So come see us on Thursdays. We usually do that during right around halftime of the football games when we kind of go live. So yeah, find us there at Dynasty Junkies on Twitter too. Definitely make sure you're checking out Andrew, all of his work, the podcast, everything is great. So go check out Andrew, follow him on Twitter. And I'm Casey Kasem. Wanted to say that I appreciate everybody who listens to this. Like I said, that's like my number one thing is to hear people say that they enjoy the podcast i do this for you guys andrew again thank you so much for coming on tonight i appreciate all the time and i love talking with you and guys and gals out there and everybody make sure you 
turn back over here to wherever we are now. Where are we? Get real with Casey Kasem. Come back and remember to stay rad. <laughs>